This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, hey, what's happening, everybody? We appreciate you joining us here on InsideCarolina.com. Another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast called that because the two guys that join me, Sean Moran and Cheryl McMillan, on opposite coasts of the country, and we are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right, fellas, as mentioned just before the intro, Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan, join yours truly, Joey Powell, for another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. And boy, is this one going to be a steaming hot pile to talk about, because that would be absolutely in line with the production that the Tar Heels put on the basketball court the two games this past week. Sherelle, how are you feeling? Better or worse than UNC basketball's latest two performances? Uh, Better. All right, Sean, what better. about you? Better or worse than UNC's uh, most most recent efforts? Uh, I think I think you can only answer with with better or else you'd be in a pretty uh, dark, dark place. Man, I don't know. We said after that game against Kentucky that, you know, the effort and energy probably couldn't get much worse. And yet here we sit after these games on the road against Miami and against Wake Forest, which, by the way, I think will probably be both of those teams will probably be uh, in the top third of the league by the time the end of the season rolls around. Uh, but man, just going to throw out some stats here. Uh, North Carolina drops both games, falls to 12 and six on the year. Uh, after, this is after looking decent against Virginia and Georgia Tech, who aren't great, but the Tar Heels look better against those two teams. And they fall to 12 and six. But guys, I want to point out some things just in my extrapolation from those two games. I try to take a vacation, right? When you go on vacation, you try to, to get away from things that soil your, soil your mood and things that bring you down and, you know, poop in your ice cream, right? And that's an old Calipari quote. But I was not able to get away from all of those things because of what I saw this past week. Um, and looking at UNC's performance out of these two games, an average of 33% field goal shooting, an average of 20.7 three-point shooting, uh, their fast break points averaged three. They had four in one game and two in another. And then they, uh, in their uh, turnovers forced, they averaged six. Um, and, and I just, after looking at the Ole defense that was played against Wake Forest uh, and, and seeing much of the same thing against Miami earlier in the week, guys, I'm going to start simple. You know, this is bad. Performances are bad. Players are playing badly. Things just really don't look good right now. Sean, I'll come to you first. What changed since that game against Georgia Tech in the Smith Center, other than the record? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I think each week, um, you know, I was, I was reading uh, Jonathan Gavoni's mo- uh, mock draft, and he, he had a good quote of trying not to be a prisoner of the moment. And I think mm-hmm. we've tried not to do that because each week, uh, you know, last week it was kind of the high of, 
high of beating Georgia Tech, but we'd also been talking about uh, the Miami and Wake Forest road games, you know, for two weeks now. Uh, and now here we are a week later and you're, you're, it's kind of fully reversed. Um, but overall, you know, what changed, um, you know, I think Miami game is, is one thing where they just got hit in the mouth early and it was a, it was just a, a bloodbath. Uh, Wake Forest, you, you know, I think we'll probably focus more on, on that game uh, because at least it was competitive uh, for about 12, you know, 12, 12 or so minutes. And I did think in that, in that part, UNC uh, looked like the better team early on, uh, minus uh, LaRavia, who was who was on fire. But mm-hmm. they, they looked, to me, like the better team. But then, uh, you know, through some poor possessions, it got, got out of hand pretty quick, and they weren't able to, you know, to come back. Right now, they have a lot of, you know, it, it, there's a lot of guys that are playing, and there's a lot of guys that are kind of being thrown into new positions, and a lot of guys that aren't, aren't holding up you know, aren't playing up to their standards on either, either side of the ball. And when you mix all that together, uh, you saw what happened this past week of two 20 plus point, uh, embarrassing losses on the road. Jarrell, um, I was texting with a, uh, UNC Letterman, uh, national champion. And some of the things he told me, uh, were just really, really eye opening in a sense that, you know, he's kind of coming at this from a fan's perspective too. Um, but the two things that jumped out of him were leadership and drive. And this team has neither. And I think that's one of the things that's been befuddling to Tar Heel fans and Inside Carolina subscribers is that, as you've alluded many times, this is a talented team. Uh, and, and, you know, so what, what this, this letterman was telling me was, you know, just drive and, uh, and, and leadership. Obviously, those two things are nowhere to be found. Uh, with those things being absent, though, is there actually enough talent on this team? Because the team that I saw play against Wake Forest uh, and Hubert Davis's comments kind of paralleled, they didn't look as talented as Wake Forest's best players. What, what am I missing? Uh, that Wake Forest plays like a team and UNC doesn't was the biggest thing. Um, North Carolina has a ton of individual talent. I will die on that hill. You know, go ahead and put me up on the hill. I'll, I'll be there. Um, but as a team, the team talent just just is not there. They don't play together. Um, the first sign of trouble, it seems like they go the other way. Yeah. I was actually kind of, um, I don't want to say, I'm not sure the exact word was, but it was encouraging in the second half. They seemed like they came out pretty fired up and just couldn't get a stop to save their lives. And it just kind of dovetailed from there because, you know, it, they looked into it. I, I don't think the, uh, the EET, the energy, effort and toughness was an issue at all against Wake Forest. I just think they lost to a superior team even though that superior team doesn't have the individual talent uh, that they have. And I mean, honestly, man, uh, this, this core group, because people got to remember UNC brought back essentially five starters, mm-hmm. not, not the starting five, but Kerwin Walton started a ton of games. RJ Davis started a ton of games. Caleb Love obviously started all but one, I believe. Leakey started all but a couple and Armando started all but of a couple, I believe. So and Brady Manick was a starter where he was. And Brady Manick was a starter where he was. So, I mean, sometimes the parts just don't fit and we've got 48 games with those five I think it's 48 or 49 games uh, with those five and you know sometimes it just doesn't work you you have to um, try as you can but it, it just might not fit and that doesn't mean that anyone's a, a, a bad kid um, you know I think there are some chemistry issues with the team I, I don't think anyone you know I, I think that's pretty obvious to see just by the way they're playing 
Uh, but I don't think that necessarily means anybody's bad or anything like that. Um, the pieces just don't fit uh, the way that we all thought they would. And barring some kind of miraculous turnaround, you know, um, I don't know if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, which you told me three months ago, you know, just would have been completely shocked. That's, that's really shocking to say, considering the expectations that this fan base had, even with the new staff and even with uh, a new assemblage of guys. You know, you pointed out that all those guys had starters minutes before, but it is a different team. Um, I, I do think you're exactly right. It feels as if they're, and I don't mean gradually heading towards the, the cliff. I think this team is is careening towards a cliff, and I'm not sure how things get changed. We'll get to that in a little bit. One of the things I think that that most fans and observers watching uh, would probably try to, I don't know, nail down some issues with personnel. And when you talk about the guys that you did who have the experience they have, uh, you would think that UNC would be getting a better result in a lot of the um, not idiot categories. And I know that sounds really harsh, but I mean like the unforced errors, the things where uh, you're doing damage to yourself. Usually that comes. Uh, that that kind of decreases as you get more experience in the college game. And we're not seeing that right now. Um, specifically, I, I think, you know, a guy that's been a lightning rod, either uh, rightly or wrongly for the fan base, has been Leaky Black. And right now, at least from my eyes, and I'm not the analyst, you guys are, but it looks like Leaky Black is not giving this team anything. He, he's not defending well, uh, which he's, you know, he's, been considered by a lot of folks to be a good to great defender, depending on who you listen to. Um, he's not defending well. He's limited his uh, his, his offensive attempts, you know, which may have been by coaching, by design. Cheryl, what can this team do with a player like Leakey? Uh, and then, Sean, I'm going to come to you with a similar question just about personnel in general to try to get things any better. Um, uh, what are your thoughts, Cheryl, just uh, in, in a way that, that UNC might be able to change things up from a personnel standpoint? Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, it's, it's a tough situation. Uh, I think they have weighed the entire season, in my opinion, and this is not sourced or anything. So this is me editorializing. Mm -hmm. I feel like they've weighed kind of building the program versus win now. I understand why they want to win now. When you have someone like Brady Manick already locked up and then you go out and add uh, Dustin Garcia in July, to me that says win now because mm -hmm. um, you're trying to compile talent. Uh, talent. And so I think uh, they are, they've tried to say, okay, how much do we win now? How much do we build for the future? Build for the future means, you know, taking somebody out if they make do something that you don't like, taking somebody out um, if they're not, their effort isn't there. It means playing the freshman more. It means experimenting with some of the sophomores who maybe didn't get uh, the minutes, like, you know, uh, Puff Johnson, who didn't get minutes last year. And <clears throat> I think you're now you're, you're seeing a little bit more of the program building part. Um, you know, Hubert Davis's comments after the Wake Forest came were, were pretty eye-opening yeah. and a pretty stark contrast to everything he said for the last, I guess, nine months now. Uh, so I, 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 the answer, I think, is you start to build the program as opposed to trying to win each individual game. Um, it, is, it is not good in Chapel Hill right now. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean to make it sound like it is because it's not, but I, I think that's the way out is to, uh, you know, say, hey, I need four floor burns from you within the first 20 minutes. And if I don't have them, then you're coming out of the game. I think it has to be that kind of thing because the thing you can control as we talked about all this time is your effort. Mm -hmm. um, and if that isn't there, then you shouldn't be playing. And it's, it's frustrating. I think for Tar Heel fans everywhere to see 
guys that we know, as you alluded to a second ago, that we know to be talented players. Like general consensus in scouting doesn't miss on players calling them five-star players that often in basketball. You know, usually if, if a guy is rated five stars and a top 100 player coming into college basketball, he's pretty staking talented because the chances to see him play and to see his skills uh, are really a lot higher than they are in other sports. Sean, you, you had a stat that you wanted to mention about, about Leaky. And again, I'm not trying to, to make this bang on Leaky show, but I do think it, it does pose a problem when he's, he's limited his offense and then he's also not able to, to give you anything defensively and, and even the, some of the other things are, are starting to kind of be negatives more than they are neutrals. Sean, you had a stat you want to share? Yeah, you know, just going going through uh, Ken, Ken Pomeroy's box score of the game yesterday, uh, you know, Leakey had an offensive rating of 10. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen something that low besides maybe a, a zero for somebody that played a, a few minutes. Um, but, you know, a, a hundred is is considered average. So, so a, t- a 10, I had to do a double take when, when looking through it. But uh, once again, he played 16 minutes. Um, other guys played a lot more. So I, I think it was a, a team effort in, in terms of the disaster that, that we saw. But you can't have a starter that, um, you know, I think we, we've talked about this a lot of what is an ideal leaky game? Because um, I think everybody's been happy that he's reduced his long, long two-point attempts. But, you know, for somebody 6'7", 6'8", uh, you want to, you know, you, you need to see Five, you know, at least five rebounds being conservative, you know, I would go with eight, eight and four uh, rebounds and assists plus some steals and blocks for him to, you know, an ideal contribution. Uh, but you're just not, you're not getting that at all. Um, and, you know, defensively, obviously, Al- Alonis Williams is a tough cover with his size, strength, and, you know, and he was, you know, the most athletic guy on the floor uh, going into the weight game. Felt a little more comfortable because I, I thought, well, he's going to be the one athlete that is better than UNC, but for the most part, they should be fine. Unlike Miami, but you know, with that, he was just able to do what he wanted. So Leakey's defensive efforts were, were kind of rendered almost irrelevant at times. Um, and I think, you know, we did see Puff, we did see McCoy and I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, when styles, et cetera. So I wouldn't mind seeing what they can do because right now it's, you know, besides for the lack of shots, you're not, you're not getting anything out of a starter, you know, a starting player. Uh, Sean, I want to stay with you here just out of curiosity. You know, it seems like the four man has been giving UNC fits all year. Uh, We thought that would be remedied a little bit, or at least I did. I don't want to speak for you guys, but uh, we thought that would be remedied a little bit by the change in styles and playing more of a one in uh, four out type, you know, type of game. But uh, you saw what happened with uh, Laveria, Laravia, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing his name, Laravia, uh, for Wake Forest. I mean, he just absolutely kept giving it to whoever was on him. It was Brady Manick for a while, then Dawson Garcia, then Leakey. I mean, it just UNC had nobody on the roster to stop him. And it was the same with the the big guy from, from Miami the other night, you know, coming from the four spot. Is there a way to fix that? You know, can you scheme some different defenses uh, to stop something like that, or is this just going to be a an exploitation that that teams are going to have against uh, against UNC for the rest of the year? And that was obviously one of the big weaknesses last year uh, when you really had a team, you know, four centers. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're always trying to play one, you know, for the most part out of position. Um, right now, you still have a team of of three centers. Um, I know both Brady and uh, Dawson played the four at Marquette in Oklahoma, but defensively 
they're really they're really fives. Um, so once again, you're kind of dealing with the same issue defensively. Obviously, it's opened the floor offensively, and but you know you had Manic who scored, you know who's scoring all the points early on, but at the same time he's giving them right back mm-hmm. on the defensive end. And obviously, teams are looking at him and saying, hey, you know you can attack him, you know with his foot speed, and he's not going to be a shot blocking presence in the paint. Um, what what can be done to f- to fix that? I mean. I hated watching the, the, the Auburn game um, and, and not saying this would, would fix it, but you know, yeah, Jabari Smith, now granted he's a number one draft pick, so it's a little different, but he's like, you know, he's the ideal for somebody that can shoot and defend. Um, but on this team, obviously you don't have a number one draft pick. Um, I, I would still be in favor of, you know, I, I think the majority, McCoy, Justin McCoy has not done a whole lot this year. Um We've also seen him pre- predominantly at the three. I still wouldn't mind seeing him play the four for, you know, some stretches. Obviously you lose a little bit offensively, but I still think from his, uh, you know, his wingspan and his length, he would be able to uh, reduce, you know, <laughs> reduce the liability on the defensive end. Um, and, you know, if you're sliding puff or somebody else into the three that can score, perhaps that can offset, and now you're kind of rotating a little bit more just on the five, but I reckon that's, that's, um, you know, hard to do when you've got three, three talented players all looking to get their shots and, and get minutes. All right. I want to take a quick break. Uh, I want to come back to you, Sherelle, and talk a little bit of more of the, I guess, larger, wider lens view of things. I, I don't have any other, I've been on vacation. I don't have my, my corporate jargon, uh, at the ready to to annoy you. So uh, give me a give me a minute. We're gonna uh, hit a quick break. We'll come right back. I want to talk a little more about some of those um, I guess deeper things that you always seem to have a knack for as well. Um, while I'm thinking about it, I was out of town last week. Um, but while I was in uh, another country, I actually saw UNC gear, and I went looking, and they did not have a uh, one camiseta store where I was looking for, but I do think they probably had access to Johnny t-shirt via the World Wide web. And because of Johnny t-shirts, reliable shipping, they probably could have ordered said UNC gear to that country from Johnny t-shirt because Johnny t-shirt ships everywhere. Uh, we hope that you have been taking care of Johnny t-shirt lately. Uh, you know, we mentioned back a couple of weeks ago that if you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, you could hit up Johnny t-shirt and they could take care of you. Well, that still applies. I mean, just because the team's not doing great on the floor right now doesn't mean you can't look good when you go to the game. Doesn't mean you can't look good when you're watching the game with your friends. Doesn't mean you can't look good when you're, you know, posting uh, a thousand threads on the Inside Carolina Premium message boards. Uh, hit up JohnnyTshirt.com. They've been big supporters of Inside Carolina, uh, family-run, family-operated, uh, alumni family, by the way. Just a big-time store that really supports uh, Inside Carolina. We want you to support them with your business. Go to johnnytshirt.com, get your new gear there. Or if you want to stop by the store, Johnny T-shirt right there on East Franklin and Chapel Hill. Great selection, top-of-the-line brands, just great quality, anything you need. And like I've said a thousand times before on this here podcast, Johnny T-shirt don't have it, you don't need it. Johnny T-shirt, we appreciate him sponsoring Coast to Coast and all of InsideCarolina.com's content. We hope you'll check them out. Take a quick break and let the national guys run some ads as well. We'll be right back to talk a little more about what this UNC team can do next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, thanks for sticking around. Another episode of the Coast to Coast. I'm Joey Powell. With me as always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran, the three of us trying to kind of put together what has been a a very broken week for the UNC basketball program. Sherelle, you've talked before very eloquently on this show about, especially after the Kentucky game, that it being UNC just a lack of will and a lack of desire and a lack of want to. Do you think that this sort of, I guess, frustration uh, may have been the similar things that caused Roy Williams to retire? And I don't want to take a look backwards and just talk about Roy leaving, but I think are, are some of these same issues just a matter of of maybe these kids or, or this group of kids is not a, just their button is missed. Maybe they're they're harder to reach. Uh, it, I'm doing a poor job of asking, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Like is is this kind of just a continuation of some of the things that frustrated Roy Williams? And if so, you know, how can you expect a brand new coach, you know, in his first year on the job to be able to just have some sort of magic wand and get these things to work? Uh, yeah, to the first question, for sure. It, it's definitely an extension of some of the things that I think um, contributed to, not the only factor, but contributed right. to Roy Williams um, deciding to retire. Um, I think it's fair to say, I think these two things are, are, are um, fair that it's too early to judge Hubert Davis as a head coach overall. And that also he hasn't done a very good job this season. So I think both of those are true because um, we, I mean, we talked about it a ton in the preseason. The biggest thing for him was going to be managing, I think personalities, managing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, people on the side, uh, you know, parents and coaches and all that good stuff, because it's very different doing it as a head coach, because, they're all going to call and say, well, what's up with this? And, and what's up with that? Um, and that's just not, that's not Carolina. That's every program where it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> I think that is number one is that it's, it's uh, just a huge difference in step up in communication and how you um, convey information to people. All that is very, very important. Um, you know, so I, I think he's, again, I think this season has not been great, obviously, thus far through 18 games. From a higher level, I guess you would call North Star is what we would say in the corporate world. Uh, the, <laughs> the North Star for for North Carolina, I think, is, um, you know, he, he's defined it as that EET, the energy, effort, and toughness. And I think, um, you know, in the offseason, when they look into the transfer portal, transfer portal, and when the signees come in, that's something that they really uh, want to see because the team's going to look much different, you know, after this season's over. It's not new information. So I don't want anyone to think like, hey, they, they got calls and all this stuff is going down. You know, we knew before the season that there's going to be a lot of turnover after this year. So in, in all honesty, you know, next year is the first rebuild year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be kind of weird because it's year two and fans are not going to tolerate, you know, another uh, poor season. I, I, I hate to get so far ahead talking into next season when there's still at least, you know, 13 game, 14 games left this season. Um, but it's going to be interesting because, you know, next year is going to be somewhat of a rebuild year, depending mm-hmm. upon what they do in the portal. And so, um, you know, he's going to have to really lean on that energy, effort and toughness. And next year, hope that the some of the parts is is um, greater than the individuals, which is the opposite of what this team is so far. 
Yeah, and, and I, I don't think it's bad to kind of have a, a look towards next year because if not, then if if everybody's expectations are slowly ending with with how this season fares, then I think uh, you know, then you have no great beyond to look for. <laughs> There's no space exploration left for anybody to hang their hats on. Um, Sean, I'm gonna come back to you with uh with with something. What bright spots can the fans look for over the next coming games? There are three winnable games at home, which UNC has shown that they can win at home at least. Um, they have shown that they can beat teams that are, for the most part, lesser talented or to you know to to crib rail a lot, um, not as gifted as North Carolina is. They've got that coming in with theoretically Virginia Tech, Boston College, and North Carolina State. I know Virginia Tech has a better net ranking, but um, they have not fared as well, I think, as a lot of folks would. Keve Aluma is a problem. Uh, that being said, what are some bright spots that the the fan base and, and North Carolina, you know, inside Carolina subscribers can can look for over these next few games to hopefully calm some of this heartburn? Uh, tough, tough question. <laughs> tough question. Um, you know, we we could be back here next week and they've they've won three in a row and maybe everybody's feeling a little better. Um, I think BC no matter what happens, they should win, even though BC did beat, uh, just, they did just beat Virginia tech, but, uh, you know, Virginia tech is, they are a well-coached team with some talent and NC state, you know, they have some individual talent as well. So it could easily be, be one and two, um, in terms of, of bright spots. Uh, I mean, I would go one, you're, you're playing at home. Um, I, I think the, the players have, have felt more comfortable there. You have the, the crowd getting into it. Um, you know, I, I think they can feed off of, off of that energy, especially, you know, if, if Virginia Tech's going on a, going on a run in the first half or second half. Um, I think we did see, you know, some of the younger guys uh, get more, get more opportunity uh, with, uh, with Dunn and, and Puff now appearing to be, be healthy, um, even McCoy as well. So it almost felt like against Wake Forest, it was like, all right, whoever can hit a shot or, or whoever can, <laughs> can play, you know, play decent they'll get time in the second half unfortunately you know Dunn had that three go in and out early on and then was was pretty off on his on the second one and that was really when the tide turned I thought but you know perhaps one of them can can get it going um the only other you know small thing that I did see in in Wake Forest was it it did look like they were starting to try to get Garcia in kind of his his favored spot on on the left wing uh they ran a few plays for him which also caused me to go back to the Garcia scouting tape we did. And I, I, I wish he hadn't changed his kind of shot mechanics. Uh, Cause it, I, I felt last year, you know, even though he's shooting decent from three, I, I felt his mechanics were, were better last year before he changed. So at least they were looking to uh, take advantage of his strengths. But once again, that was just kind of one or two possessions. So, you know, nothing in the grand scheme, but, but maybe a few, few small things over, over the next week with three games. Sherelle, I'm going to ask you the same question. Any bright spots that you're going to be looking for over the next few games? Uh, again, Virginia Tech on Monday, BC on Wednesday, and then uh, North Carolina State coming uh, coming into town on Saturday. I mean, honestly, it they can't play any worse defensively. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not, and I'm 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 being dead serious. It's just the bright spot is it, I, I find it hard to imagine that they can play poor, that poor again defensively as they did against Miami and against Wake Forest. So I think that is. I guess a bright spot. Um, as Sean said, the fact that, you know, you saw DeMarco Dunn and 
uh, Puff Johnson, you know, get more minutes, I think is, is a good thing. Um, Cause Puff is talented, but he just hasn't been able to play really at all during his Carolina career. So, you know, see what you have there. Um, and Garcia, I think people forget too, that Garcia was shooting like 43 or 44% from three before the concussion. And yeah. he just hasn't really been the same since. And, um, that is valuable offense, especially as, you know, the last few games, North Carolina just hasn't shot very well. The guards haven't shot very, really no one shot well outside of Armando Baycott. So um, I guess Brady Manick did against Wake Forest. He, he had a good uh, offensive game, but yeah, when, when uh, the offense is struggling, you know, it is important or it's great to have a big man who can step out and hit a three and he just has to get that timing back. Um, so to Sean's point, it's good that they're trying to get him, back involved in the offense because as we have these conversations about potentially okay what's next season going to look like you know Dawson Garcia depending upon what he decides is a really really important piece so you want to start building now um, towards that Uh, so I'll be looking for that Um, you know the Smith Center crowd I'm I'm very curious if this is a rally the troops moment or (laughs) a we surrender moment Uh, because you know playing in front of the home crowd these guys haven't experienced it much. They've, they've had maybe 10 or 11 home games, uh, these sophomores, in their career uh, because of COVID. So you, you would think that that would give them an extra boost. But, man, it's just – I want to see desperation, um, true desperation, not talking about being desperate, not saying, oh, we're desperate, oh, we're so embarrassed. Like, I actually want to see it um, because these – again, this, this core group just hasn't shown it, man. I mean – Last year they had moments where they would fight back, and this year just that has gone somewhere. I don't. It's in the ether somewhere. It's, it's gone. Um, so I'm looking for that. So it can't play any worse on D. Needs some desperation. Um, Garcia kind of getting back into the groove a little bit, and then uh, more of Puff and, and Demarco Dunn and Dontre Styles. Well, I do think that's at least something like you guys both said uh, really well. I think it's something fans can actually hang hope on is if they see these young guys start to play and actually. Uh, God forbid if one of them actually catches fire and starts contributing, um, that will be something that can uh, you know be somewhat of a uh, an antacid for the heartburn that the last two games have caused. Um, guys, I appreciate it, Sean. Before we get out of here, you want to tease what you're working on that's supposed to be hitting uh, inside Carolina the next day or so? Sure. Uh, so Tyler Nickel uh, had a game on you know he's had a lot of games, but had a game on Saturday uh, going against EVA commit Isaac McNeely, another four-star, four-star player. Um, uh, Tyler Nickel had 26, they had 27, uh, both shot the, you know, shot really well uh, from the outside. So we'll just have a video uh, showing the makes, the misses, um, and some other, some other plays for Nickel. You know, he, you know, a few things really showed off uh, some very deep, deep range from three, uh, which I think could be, could definitely be used next year. But uh, you know, as, as I'm sure we'll talk about going into next season, you know, how will the foot speed, uh, how will that do at that level? Uh, but it was good to see him making some deep shots and, and some tough shots, although it's, it's always easier to hit those tough shots when you're getting 20 a game compared to maybe coming off the bench and you have one, you know, one or two to, you know, to, to string something together. Well, I appreciate you putting the time into those you always do. If nobody else tells you, I'm telling you thank you because I, I always come away from them enlightened. So, I appreciate the time and energy you put into those shrills. Is there anything you want to add before we uh, before we wrap the show up for the night? Uh, nothing imminent. I just want to. I'm just so curious what we're going to be talking about next Sunday. Uh, the variance again. <laughs> that's that's the word I keep going back to with this entire season is variance. Like we could be talking about. Oh, like Sean said, North Carolina on three game winning streak. They kind of, you know, uh, 
got rid of that feeling from those two road losses. Or we could be saying, this is a disaster. You know, this is a complete <laughs> cataclysm, a systematic failure from the top to the bottom. And, you know, and again, that's that, that variance. I mean, you know, we could be talking about the season being over or we could be talking about, hey, you know, they have a chance to win the ACC. I mean, it's, it's there. I mean, seriously, because no, I'm, I'm shaking trying... my head because it's so, it's so baffling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't expect uh, the former. I don't expect to be talking about three straight wins, but it could happen. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I just it's just fascinating. The, the very fascinating is not the right word, especially for a fan base. It is frustrating, I think, for the fan base that you just don't know what you're going to get from game to game. Yeah. And it's it's t- again, it's tough to to see fans who kind of really hang a lot of energy on these um, you know, on these games, you know, not know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get effort one night. You don't know if you're going to get execution one night. You don't know what you're going to get. And that's as part of the reason they play the games. Uh, I do hope that uh, for the fans sake and for the team's sake that uh, they can start trying to find some positivity. One more thing, Joey. And yeah. I, I, I'm not, this is not so box time, but I do think both fans on either side of, of whatever debate <laughs> need to allow each other to, to kind of vent their own way. Because I completely get why people are frustrated and upset and angry and calling for firings and all that stuff. Uh, it, it, if you're a fan, it makes sense. I mean, your team has just had two of the worst performances since eight and 20. And eight and 20 is something we don't really talk about because it was so bad as the worst season in Carolina, bas- Carolina basketball history. And they just repeated something that, that you know happened that year. So I get that side. And then I also get the side of, hey, he's coached 18 games. Like, get, you know, give the guy some time because, you know, he needs to get his own players in and he needs to establish his system and et cetera, et cetera. So I would just ask both fans on both sides to, to kind of be respectful of one another because – I think I don't think either side is illegitimate. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think that sounds a lot better than uh, than ask the fans to respect each other because you and I both know <laughs> in America nowadays that ain't happening. But I do appreciate your desire for uh, for yeah. pos, for yeah. peace, yeah. Uh, for for even keeled rhetoric, for discussion. You know, was it was it um what was the line from um one of the old uh, ESPN talk shows? Embrace debate. Oh, yeah, embrace yeah. embrace yeah. debate, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cheryl, I appreciate it, man. Sean, as always, uh, contributing a ton to the show. I'm just along for the ride. Uh, thanks to Johnny T-shirt for sponsoring. Thanks to Inside Carolina for, you know, helping make all this happen. We're just uh, glad to be on the team. Thanks to you all for listening. Remember, rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. It helps us, helps our advertisers, all that good stuff. Plus, you'll be putting some good karma into the universe, which I don't know why anybody listening to this show would not want to put some good karma into the universe right now. But for Joey Powell, that's me. For Cheryl McMillan, that's Cheryl. And for Sean Moran, that's Sean. I appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time here on the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. Late. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner I. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do average of 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.